everyone, welcome to It Was All a Stream. I'm Chris Sachs, here alongside my cousin, you know him as Neil Carroll. Welcome back, ready to roll this week. Just, so we were just discussing just the overload of information that we got this week. And so, uh, right off the bat, we're letting you guys know that not only will you be receiving this episode of It Was All a Stream, but tomorrow you will receive an extra episode, a special episode of It Was All a Stream. Because extra we, edition. we want to provide the people with some a little extra love. Consider it our Christmas gift to all of you with Christmas coming up. Yeah. Because we got a a gift for the, who knew that Disney investor day was like a holiday for everybody with all the announcements that they had. Serious news drop. Yeah. So we are going to be doing a special episode solely dedicated to Disney investor day that will come tomorrow. Um, so expect that, but for now, let's get into Mandalorian, the pen ultimate episode yes. of season two, which in uh, the same, I think, well, hopefully not. Hopefully the, the ultimate episode is amazing, but just like game of Thrones, it was always the second to last episode mm-hmm. that was kind of like awesome. And I yes. think this was this was awesome. This was it, it has been getting better and better. The, that one podcast we did where we were like, "Oh, I don't know about this episode." Every one since then has been a hit. It really has. It really did just a complete pivot, and we're still getting that like, "Okay, here's an adventure," but at least it's relating. Each one is relating to yeah. the larger story, which is what we were asking for at the beginning of the year, and now we're just getting it on a consistent basis. Um, so let's go to our good old friend, Wikipedia. Let's do it. Cara Dune uses her new credentials as a marshal of the New Republic to have our old friend, Miggs Mayfeld, transferred from prison to her custody. As an ex-imperial, he agrees to help, Moff Gide- help locate Moff Gideon's cruiser but needs access to an internal terminal in order to do this. He suggests going to a secret Imperial mining hub on the planet Morak. At the planet, Mayfeld and the Mandalorian hijack a transport carrying the explosive mineral Rhydonium. Yes. And they manage to reach the mining facility despite attacks from local pirates. They get Gideon's coordinates from the terminal but the Mandalorian is forced to remove his helmet for the first time since he took his Mandalorian oath. The pair are confronted by Mayfeld's old Imperial commanding officer, whom Mayfeld kills when he gloats about the atrocities that the Empire committed in Operation Cinder. The pair escape the facility with the help of Fennec, Dune, and Boba Fett, uh, Cara Dune decides to let Mayfeld go at the end of all the events, uh, thinking that he had 
served his time and and done more than he needed to by helping them out and served the mandalorian then sends gideon a transmission warning that he is coming for grogu paraphrasing a similar speech that gideon had previously given to him yes and i've got many thoughts about this many many and i'm prepared to argue with you when we get to our certain i'm gonna hit you with them so number one i feel like This was a wasted opportunity to tie into Solo, the movie Solo, because essentially they're carrying um, like a Star Wars version of gasoline. All right. Mm -hmm. Ridium, radium, whatever. Rhydonium. Rhydonium. I believe. Yep. I, when I watched it, I thought for a second, oh, this is that thing that they were trying to move in Solo that was so dangerous and you couldn't, you know, drop it and it would explode and all that stuff. That was called coaxium. Got it. Okay. okay. I, th- I thought that yeah. you were going to tell us that that was the same material, but now that you mentioned right. that it was coaxium. Okay. Yeah. That's, that sounds familiar. Eh, a little bit. Uh, like, like one like is like a fuel, like a, a, a ship fuel, right? In solo. And in then this solo. one seems to be strictly like yes. for weapons and explosives it seems that way so like it's it's definitely fuel in um in solo coaxium is definitely fuel for ships and so on which is basically the first time we hear about fueling up ships right like there's there's talk they land the droids hook up things but that's the first time we get like the name of gasoline in uh in the star wars world so anyway small item but i feel like it's a missed opportunity they could have. i agree with you on that i think that's a good call and part dose of my thoughts, just jumping in, um, fantastic episode. Bill Burr, uh, definitely I'm turning around on Bill Burr. He, I, I will say, I know you have your feelings about Bill Burr yeah. and his stand-up, but he really did a great job. And they did, just overall, the show did a really good job with his character in this episode. They That's really built him... Yeah. into a real character not just a one-off like oh he's a you know sharpshooter like they gave him a really good backstory and really made him a more like dynamic complex character than he was previously definitely which and he's someone now that i i'm looking forward to coming back in some capacity again yeah i'm actually i'm with you there i think i'd like to see him back in this you know in this vein doing this thing again um, but let's talk about aesthetics. Uh, Boba Fett puts his gear on, uh, kind of cleans himself up again, cleans up his gear, and doesn't look too terrible. Doesn't look too fat man in a little coat, like you said the other day. Right, right. It was, it was, it, it was a little toned down. Um, yeah. It looked a little better, even though he still had like the dress thing on. Yeah, which is you know we could get rid of that. Um, but let me see here. So we've got all that information. We've got, you know, more fighting, more shots fired, action sequences doing great. We're in, and I told you I was excited for this. We're in Slave One. We're in the ship and you're seeing what it's like inside there. And we're going to see, I'm sure we're going to see other, you know, rooms and things like that. But, you know, they had to run up the gangplank that like leads you into the ship, just like we saw in Clone Wars, just like we saw in uh, Empire Strikes Back, 
it was just, it was like really good fan service. I've been reading some articles though about that dent in Boba Fett's helmet. Okay. People were complaining and they're like, well, he painted and fixed everything and it looks so much better now. Why is there still a dent? There's a dent because it's made of Beskar. Beskar. And so Beskar is so hard to, uh, you know, maneuver. He can paint it, he can buff it, he can polish it, but he can't bang that dent out. It's not like banging a dent out of a car. So I like that too, because it gives it some character. Yeah. Well, because I was going to say, when I first saw him this episode, I was like, okay, his armor's completely fixed now. That's a little, like, how would he have done that? But to your point, when you look a little bit closer, oh, there's still some scratches and dents and, and stuff like right. that from previously. So all he did was just kind of clean it up. Um, do we know how he got the dent? Is it to pre- be presumed that it was from the Sarlacc pit? Or maybe it was just while the armor wasn't in his possession? Did well, it- no, he had that dent prior. Oh, he did have the dent prior. Yeah, that was like kind of a telltale Boba Fett dent. Oh, I didn't know that. So he always had the dent in yep. the helmet. Interesting. I yeah, wonder if we'll he ever get a backstory on how that happened. I'm not sure. But let's dive Because it in. must have I mean, been something really powerful to... Oh, something had to. to make because, a dent in Because we saw... Metal. Which I don't, I don't agree with. Like, like, philosophically, I'm not pleased with it. But... You know, we saw Mando's best car essentially repel a lightsaber. So it's obviously incredibly hard, but I don't know that that's, you know, I don't know if I agree with that. Like that, that, yeah. I, that was in the Ahsoka episode and I was like, yeah, I don't know about that, but it is what it is. What do you think about him taking his helmet off? We knew that was coming. We knew it was coming because it was basically being talked about the entire time, right. which I think that they did a really, really good job laying the groundwork for that yes. throughout the episode. I thought it was really interesting, the conversations, really the one-sided monologues that were happening with Bill yeah. Burr's character talking about like the, that was leading up. the juxtaposition of you know, different religions throughout the galaxy. And it was really an interesting social commentary in general about, you know, if you're born on this planet, you believe this. If you were born on this planet, you believe that. Like, who's to say who's right? Like, you think that taking off your helmet is, like, against your beliefs. Me, I, all I care about is just finding a way to be able to sleep comfortably at night. Which maybe is one of the reasons why I'm turning around on Bill Burr because I, I like it was like a social commentary. I agree with that. I was like, yeah, eh, you know, it is what it is. Absolutely. But I think that's it works in the sense that that's obviously an internal conflict for Mando that we've kind right. of seen hinted at this season, particularly because, you know, you do have the whole thing with um, Boba Fett's armor in general in the beginning of 
the season, how also important true. it was for him to get that back because it's Mandalorian armor and it can't be with anyone but a Mandalorian. He's got to return it home. He's got to follow the creed and, you know, bring baby Yoda to his people or care for baby Yoda because he's a foundling. He can't take his helmet off. Obviously we know that he can't take it off in front of people. Right. Um, his face cannot be seen. Uh, I mean, Boba Fett has to prove himself and prove that it's his armor. Uh, so there's a lot of things. And then you also have Bo-Katan and those Mandalorians who Correct. appear in this season and, and they the, freely yeah. take their helmets off because his way of thinking and his beliefs are seem to are seen as radical by most Mandalorians and seem as seen as uh, extreme. So he's kind of he's under the radar been having this battle right throughout the season uh, I think over his beliefs that's been like a core theme. Um and now he had to decide between sticking with his beliefs or doing something that he needed to do. There was no right. other way around it. Um, in order to Which, help baby Yoda. And I think he did a great job of being noticeably uncomfortable with it. He was like noticeably silent, um, letting the other actors do the work. Uh, and, and, he, and he was reacting. Like it's, you know, Michael Caine used to say that about his acting. He said in several interviews, it's, all, it's like, I just, all I need to do is react. You know, I know my lines and then all I need to do is react while someone else is doing something. And I think he was doing a great job. Now, in that scene, he takes his helmet off. Well, he, so he puts on other armor, which, you know, I like that they stayed true to stormtroopers and the outfits and the armor, but this is Disney. This is Star Wars. We've got to make money. We've got to sell action figures. So we get a new design of stormtrooper outfit. Yep. Whatever it is, they're, they're the radium uh transporter <laughs> right whatever it is so you know so he puts on that outfit okay that's great it didn't do much for me it like the face of it worked well with the conversation they were having because it made him look like like he just wasn't having it i remember thinking that like i made a note to myself like oh bill burr's talking but the face on the mask looks like he's displeased <laughs> you're right he looks like he's annoyed right so, sorry. so he gets inside, he takes off his mask, he does the whole thing, he gets the information he needs, he sits down with the actor, and I wanted to get it right, um, Richard Blake. All right? Richard Blake plays that, like, um, Valen Hess, who's this empirical uh, officer. I also like that they named him Valen Hess because it sounds like villainess, which oh, I, okay. was having, I was enjoying. Interesting. Um, he's obviously a scumbag. He's obviously like the um, real jarhead kind of version of Star Wars. You know, like I'm a war and this is what it is. And I don't care that we lost that many men and blah, blah, blah. So, but also he's kind of the first one that illustrates why there's still an empire. Because at this point he's like, he says it, he's like, listen, you know, people are being ruled one way or the other. They're being ruled by the Republic. They were ruled by us. What they want is order and we can give it to them. 
And so that's why they wanted all this explosives and stuff because they're going to blow stuff up and they're going to go crazy and create disorder and disarray and until it gets to the point where they think the people are going to rise up and say, we want the empire back. Right. So I like that. Like that's a narrative I can get behind. That's a storyline. I like Yes, it makes sense. Right? And, it makes um, sense yeah. as like a motivation behind the empire of like what their thought process is and how they think they can rise back to power. Now, exactly. whether you agree with it or not is a different thing. I think we would both not agree with that, but like, well, yeah. you know, it's, it's an interesting philosophy for the bad guys to have like, okay, they have their motivation. They think that this, they're giving themselves, I don't know. They're like some sort of validation for doing what they're doing yes like they're they're saying oh well the people need order so it's okay that we're doing all this like the ends justify the means right but this guy uh is also um joe chill from batman begins same actor okay interesting i did not pick up on that yep 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 yep. so that was a nice like little callback nice tag yeah, I did not pick up on that one. Um, but by and large, that's what I got to say about the episode. Like, I, I liked it. It moved. It, I, it left me wanting more. I'm like, oh, don't end. I want to see some more stuff. Everybody did a great job. Everybody played their parts well. No one, like, no one made the episode drag. Like, there was no character that didn't give me what I wanted. Yeah. And I think the the only nitpick that yeah, I had with this episode. No, no, no. It's uh, I think ahead. it's fair to be, you know, critical <laughs> yes. when needed. Um there's nothing wrong with the cr- critique. So the only nitpick that I had was we go through this whole, you know, Bilber's character Mayfeld saying like, Oh, I can't go into the terminal. This guy's going to recognize me. I have to stay out here. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. So Mando is forced to go in and do it and take his helmet off and do the whole thing. And then he's caught by the officer and Mayfeld just comes right in and starts talking to him. And the guy doesn't recognize him. Like it was nothing. Well, that's the thing. So like, Yes, so I agree with you. Was it just like a little bit of an oversight and like, oh, whatever, people won't notice? Or was it like maybe their reasoning was that Mayfeld just made that up and did it to force Mando to take his helmet off? To take his helmet um, off. Or was it just an instance where it was like Mayfeld thought that, genuinely thought he couldn't go in, but had to take the risk to go in to rescue Mando. To try and save him. And try I... and save him. I'm willing to think the latter. I'm willing to believe he went in, he felt he had to, he tried to save him. And the whole thing is like, look at what happened. Like he didn't want to put himself in that position. And then he lost his mind and shot everybody in the place. Spoiler alert. Right. So like, so, okay. Like I'm with you on that because I was thinking the same thing. I was like, well, we just went through all this nonsense about you not going in there and now you're in there. Right. But then they get involved in this and he loses his temper. So it's probably better he didn't go in there in the first place. I mean, it doesn't like make the most sense as like far as like logically the sequence of events that happen 
but like I'm completely right. fine with it. As am I. I'm good with it. It didn't. It didn't take me out of it. No, not at all. Not at all. I thought of that while I was watching, but it didn't. You know, it didn't take me out of it. Um, all right, let's grade Mando's parenting skills for this week. He obviously is not in. Mm-hmm. Is not with Baby Yoda this episode. But Listen, you, you, his. Yoda, hold on, you. hold on. You couch. You couch your critique however you want. In, Let me in tell you. Whole, you make your excuses for your nastiness. Hold on. Because I know you just, for whatever reason, are happy to, a you know. A sympathetic soul. Be That's me. Way too sympathetic oh, to Bando just... giving him like an oh. A for getting his child kidnapped. Yeah. But can. I will say this episode, I give Mando an A. <laughs> for his parenting skills for this episode all it took was for the kid not to be in the episode for i know it. right you are I think terrible we spoke about it before yeah and the fact that he recognized that baby yoda was more important than what he the beliefs that he was raised under you know he let go of years of beliefs and foundation of his you know mandalorian heritage and religion and put it aside maybe even momentarily whatever it is but he put it aside because he knew the only way the next step for him to get baby yoda back was to remove his helmet and do this thing so i think for that he definitely deserves an a for this episode I concur. I'm giving him an A for all those reasons. I like that you bring up those reasons. And I would add to them that video, like hologram message he sends at the end, was touching. That forceful. It was also very like parenty. Yes. Like it was a just a vengeful, just moff gideon i'm coming for you like right very taken-esque a little like maybe don't like give someone a heads up that you're coming after him but still it it was a it was an awesome moment totally awesome moment totally awesome so all right so listen i'm I'm telling you i am fair in my in my grading all right. Tell you something. I do You're... it episode by episode, and I just base it on what I see, man. And this week, I saw an A performance in Mando's parenting skills, and I hope he keeps it up. I hope he keeps it up too, just because uh, you know he he needs your support, and I feel like your coldness towards him over these past weeks is what's leading to this nor'easter we're about to get on Wednesday. So oh, okay. That's how I feel about that. <laughs> Okay, who did not have the high ground this episode? They thought they did, but they didn't. Now, I have the answer for this, and I feel like we may have the same one. Okay. But I'm going to say Villain Hess, the guy we've been talking about that he has that meeting with. That's fair. Yep. Because, you know, he... He, do, you know, he does the 007 villain monologue. He's like, let me tell you our whole evil plan. Mwahaha. We're going to create disorder 
and the world's going, you know, all the galaxy's going to be like, we want order. Remember the empire? They did a great job. So he does that like James Bond villain. I'm going to tell you what our plan is. And then, uh oh, I can't believe I just got killed and you thwarted the plan. So I'm giving it to him this week. I like it. I like it. I think that is definitely a great choice. You know, I like being weird with my picks. I do. You like to go weird with it. I like, I like, you know, I like pivoting a little bit. So I am going to pick Kara Dune this week for the person who thought they had the high ground, but did not. And here's why. Pretty much throughout the episode, she was very, very hesitant when it came to Mayfeld. Okay. Even before the episode, she didn't want to release him from prison to use him in the mission. She's very stringent with him and strict with him when she does take him into the ship. And by the end of the episode, Mayfeld shows his true colors when he shoots the, uh, the Rhydonium or whatever it is, and explodes yeah. it so that the Empire can't use it. And that makes Cara Dune realize, you know what? Maybe this guy on this mission has done enough and given back enough where I'm just going to let him go free. And like that was a big leap for her to take to okay. not return him to prison and just, you know, as someone who didn't even want to Uh, release him just because she had you know just become a marshal and she was like oh i can't do this this is you know this isn't right for me to do and it's not honorable she went from that to by the end of the episode she's like we're gonna fake your death and we're gonna (laughs) tell them that you exploded so that you could be free yeah she does she kind of backpedals i i agree with that i like that um she definitely took some risks or some chances especially because it's a new position uh i would say I'm going to give this to Fennec. Okay. Because, again, unsung. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. You're skipping ahead. Oh, what did I do? Because my, my, that was for, no, that's okay. That was for the High Ground Award. Oh, now, I apologize. Okay, that's okay. okay. Yeah. So now Fennec is going to be your Chewy Medal of Honor. Well, Yes, Chewy Medal of Honor, absolutely. Okay. Uh, unsung hero, Chewy Medal of Honor, Fennec. She's doing her job. She doesn't have a lot absolutely. to do in this episode. You know, doesn't have a lot to do. She's kind of superfluous. Uh, everybody's got a role. Boba Fett shows up with his new gear. We're using his ship. You know, Cara Dune's got her role to play. Um, Mando, obviously, is the star. Uh, you know, Mayfell, we got to put him in. And he's doing his business. So I think Fennec, she's sniping. She's keeping them off, you know, keeping the stormtroopers off them so that they can escape. Key shots. I think she deserves a little credit. Absolutely. Just, and she is crushing it. She is. Just keeping them away from, she had to take out 20 stormtroopers. Not to say that stormtroopers are the most difficult to take out, you know, historically. But yeah, she does a great job. I, again, 
always have have a pick out of left field. Yes, you do. I'm curious. I'm there going many characters in this. Yeah, this I think really fits our okay. theme of Chewy Medal of Honor because even in the episode, they are not deserving of what happens to them. And that's the pirates. Very curious. Interesting. And here's why. Interesting. Because way when go. you really think about it, they're doing something good by exploding the Rhydonium so that the Empire does not have it to use it. And so it's kind of messed up a little bit that Mayfeld and and Mando kill an entire group of them who are just doing you know doing the community a service um so i'm going with the pirates because they did not deserve their untimely deaths that they were receiving and they were doing something for the greater good by making sure that these weapons of mass destruction could not make it into the empire's hands indeed i yes I approve. Thank you. I like that. that is I was a well, proud of that one. That is a lucid, well-thought-out argument. I like it. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to shelve Mandalorian for now. Shelve it. We have our finale next week. Aye. Um, I'm super excited. <laughs> we'll have to see what happens. I am super so um, excited. But for now, let's move on to yes. rolling or trolling. Oh, I'm so ready. Okay. More Spider-Man 3 news. We went like a week without it. I know. It We've got week. way, way more. I'm ready. So new casting news. First, obviously we have confirmed that Jamie Foxx is back. Word. Now we have officially confirmed that Andrew Garfield back. Right. Kirsten Dunst back. It's assumed that Tobey Maguire is coming back just because it's not official yet, but it's, it's, yeah. it's rumored to be so. It's also, also rumored. doing much. Yeah, it's also rumored that Emma Stone is possibly in it as well. She played Gwen Stacy in the Andrew right. Garfield versions. And she's, um, uh, okay, go ahead. Even though she died in, in the second one. Spoiler alert, nah. yes. Yeah. The, probably the biggest confirmation confirmed that they are back is Alfred Molina's Dr. Octopus. Let me tell you, let's just stop right there, okay? Here's the thing. This new kid, uh, Holland Oates. Tom Holland. Tom Holland's doing a great <laughs> job, okay? He's doing a great job. I love his movies. Love it. I'm not, I'm not tearing someone down to raise someone else up. But Tobey Maguire, Tobes, is my Spider-Man, Okay. He's my Spider-Man. I think he did a great job. I liked what Sam Raimi did with those movies. He changed a major detail, you know, with the webbing that it came right out of his 
body and not it wasn't a web slinger, which I think will play interestingly into this cross universe because it's like, oh, that's what goes on in your world. This is what's happening in yours. I like it. Alfred MF and Molina is maybe the best and brace yourself, Chris. Okay. Spider-Man villain so far. Let me explain why. And you know, I'm a huge Willem Dafoe fan. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably a toss-up between him and Willem Dafoe. I would even throw in Michael Keaton's Vulture into it. Michael Keaton is Not as climactic of a, I don't know, I guess not as showy as the other two, um, but definitely in the conversation. Definitely in the conversation. One of the best ones. Let's put it this way. Uh, Let's put it this way. Michael Keaton may be a, a better character onto himself, his storyline and the emotions. You're almost like, is he really a villain or is he just dealing with a tough situation? Right. That he was kind of dealt with by the government, by the superheroes and all that stuff. Willem Dafoe, tremendous. But they screwed him because they took the most expressive actor in Hollywood who has the one of the most facially expressive faces in Hollywood and they covered him in a iron mask right and they took out like all you could see was his eyes sometimes through the mask that was a mistake like they should have done some rubbery stuff and let him I agree with that that's the only reason he's on the second rung Alfred Molina was going to be in a film that I was going to recommend to you this week, but we'll deal with our recommendations and our, our changes in format later. But he was going to be in a Christmas film. I was going to recommend. I'll, I'll wait on it. Well, I might he, still watch it. Just might still watch it. Watch it. He's always doing a good job. Mm. And Doc Ock is a strange character to do. Absolutely. And they did it. They did it with realism back then, back in the early 2000s. Like now, you want, you know, the Dark Knight Rises and, um, you know, you get uh, the Dark Knight, you get the Heath Ledger kind of realistic approach. You have Marvel doing fun stuff, but basing it in some kind of half-assed reality. All this, all this attempts to tie to quasi-realism while being outlandish, I think Spider-Man did perfectly with Doc Ock. It's like they explain the science. They showed the, the disaster, you know, his mind is like slowly losing his mind because of this neuro connection with these machines, the chip blue and all that stuff. It was just really great. Like, yeah. I know I've gone on a little tangent, but it's okay. I'm excited about that. I'm excited okay, about so you're that. rolling with Alfred Molina, obviously. Totally rolling. His what I'm wondering yes. is he's, his character dies yeah, at the yeah. end of Spider-Man 2. Correct. You have Emma Stone's character, Gwen Stacy, dies. Mort. I, is Electro dead at the end? Like, all of these characters are coming back. Like, are they bringing them back to life? Is it like a timeline thing? Are they jumping into the middle of timelines? Like, what, what's going to happen there is going to be interesting because I'm also assuming, well, if we're going to have an older spider-man in toby mcguire how are we going to have doc ock back because then if that's the same time you know what i mean like 
Yeah, I know. If we're mean. getting older Tobey Maguire, then in Ob- older Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man world, Doc Ock is dead. Correct. So I, I'm interested to see how they're going to piece all of this together. The one thing that makes me nervous about this. Talk to me. One is that it's just going to be, there's going to be too much going on. Yeah. But that's, yeah. you know. We've seen that not work because before. we've seen, yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll leave it to Marvel to do a good job with it because obviously they've handled a lot of characters at once Correct. very well, very often. Um, but the thing that I'm most concerned about is this is the lead to Spider-Man's exit from the MCU. By right. creating this multiverse, you have, you're giving Sony a way out. And I personally would like Spider-Man to stay in the MCU in perpetuity, just forever. I 100% agree with you. But do you suspect that he's going to then end up in one of their worlds? Because if he's technically... At the end of the next movie, if he's technically just still in his own universe, like his own world, Tom Holland's own world, then he is necessarily part of the Marvel universe. Like he would physically have to be transported to another world for the excuse to be like, that's why we're not seeing these characters. Right. It's like different dimensions, right? Right. So what I'm hoping is going to happen is that Sony has their own Spider-Man dimension that for whatever reason, Tom Holland just goes and visits. Yeah. But then he, his home is still the MCU dimension. Okay. Like keep him there. Cause we know he's going to make an appearance in the Venom two. Right. Um, We know his character and Michael Keaton's character from um, the trailers is in the, the upcoming Morbius movie movie. Right, which um, I'm excited about. So that's interesting. So I, I don't know how it's all going to work. Um, I, I hope I hope they pull it off, and I hope we still get Spider-Man in Avengers movies and, you know, with Doctor Strange. He's going to be in the Doctor Strange movie, but I don't want his finale to be in the Doctor Strange movie. Like, give me more. All I'm the Spider-Man for forever in Marvel movies. I'm good with that. I approve. I, I follow you. Um, also, last bit of Spider-Man 3 news, it's also rumored or reported that Charlie Cox, who plays Daredevil from the Netflix Daredevil series, has also joined the Spider-Man 3 cast. Let me, I, you know this on a, on a non-podcast personal level, I've talked about this for years. I have always thought. DC's biggest mistake, and I know we're in Marvel, but DC's biggest mistake was not making the Flash films or Arrow films, et cetera, with their established TV stars. They were getting millions of viewers each week, people tuning in, streams, everything else. They had a built-in audience. They screwed the pooch. They went the wrong way. I like that Marvel is reaching out to its minor league teams and promoting to the major league. I think this is great. I also like what that guy's doing. He's doing a great job with daredevil. Daredevil is my, uh, like secret, not so secret 
comic book collection. I focus on a lot of the other stuff, but Daredevil I pick up because I just, the storylines are great, gritty, you know, steeped in Catholicism, which people don't really realize. Um, and like, I like how that plays. I'm not, I'm not advocating religion on the podcast. I'm just saying I like how it plays in the drama of the story. And it's like, I just, I, I think this is the right move. Go to what's working. Reach to your key people. Reach to the people that have already have an audience. Yeah, the only thing that's that's weird for me is that obviously that all of those Netflix Marvel shows got canceled. I think yeah, but given only... the Disney Plus, you know, launching and everything like that, that was the reason. So maybe this will be a return or they'll be able to, you know, start doing those shows for Hulu and bringing them back for Hulu yeah. just because obviously, you know, the, those were a little bit dark uh, TV right. shows to, for Disney Plus to have on there. Um, service, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I'm I'm rolling with all of this too. I'm, I'm just Ooh. excited to see what happens. You know, we have official news of the Game of Thrones spinoff. Ah, it's called House of the no Dragon. Okay, that's nice. It is a prequel of the Game of Thrones series about the um, Targaryen dynasty, and they've right. officially cast three the three major uh characters one uh matt smith will be playing prince uh, daemon targaryen um we have emma darcy is playing princess rain rainra targaryen and olivia cook is uh allison hightower whatever whoever she is so are you rolling or trolling with the Targaryen prequel series for Game of Thrones. I am like, I feel like I want to do this for a watch list or wait list or whatever. Like, because you want to wait, you want to put it on your watch list. I'm here's what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm I'm reluctantly rolling. It's a slow roll. It's a slow roll. And you know what? When we get closer to it, I'll go into more depth. I'm just going to say slow roll for now. I, I agree with you on that just because obviously the eighth season leaves such a bitter taste in your mouth. Yes. Um, I, I will slow roll with it as well just because I want like really good Game of Thrones again. True. And Game of Thrones at its peak was some of the best TV ever was indeed so was. at its peak it was some of the best TV absolutely ever. like uh, up until the the last season and a half um you know it really had a lot going for it and up until they decided we don't feel like doing this anymore so we're just gonna breeze right through these um it was great totally great continuing on and you know, some may say some that this next movie that we're going to talk about is up there in quality with Game of Thrones. Interesting. Played by a character, or by a well, some may say a character actor. Some um, are saying quite in, a bit about this. Some are saying Mario Lopez <sighs> is playing none other than. 
KFC's Colonel Sanders in I, yeah. Lifetime's A Recipe for Seduction mini movie. Here's how what I have to say about this. One, I have Mario Lopez is so blessed to have a career. Number one. All right. He's Slater, right? From, from yes. yeah, okay. So he needs to just thank God that he once had a starring role on something and that people will have him around. He does all these morning shows. He seems like a terribly nice guy. Do we need a seduction epic about the Colonel? So I say yes. I feel like that's what we've been missing. You know why? Because 2020 is not over yet. And if we're going to do this, it may as well have been born in 2020. Even if it doesn't come out in time, the production, the genesis of the idea, this is all very 2020. And we're going to look back 40 years from now. And this is going to be one of those things where we, where we say, yes, we lived through it. Do you remember where you were when this happened? Yeah. I'm, I'm a little shocked I know, by what you're I saying. Yeah. So uh, apparently that this, this is... Um, a quote-unquote mini-movie and is really only 15 minutes long. Um, so it's kind of a, a bit of a bit of marketing more than it is a true Lifetime movie. Um, but the Lifetime promises, quote, mystery, suspense, deception, and foul play. Foul as in Foul chickens. as in the it. bird. Yeah. Um, I'm so in love with this idea. I am going to roll with it too. Cause, and here's why as someone yeah. who does marketing for a living, uh-huh. this is kind of brilliant. It's genius. This How is much brilliant. Sell, right? Yeah. Because the, you, that's what you want. That's what you're looking for is attention, right? As a company right. who's selling a product, whatever it is, you're looking for attention. You need to get eyeballs and this has people's attention good or bad just because of how ridiculous it is so i'm rolling with it as well i i'm not gonna watch it but i'm rolling with it absolutely netflix netflix has made a major announcement and that is they are giving nicholas cage one of our favorites yes his own series called history of swear words rolling say no more rolling taping it old school style so i can just pop it in and watch it i'm going to record it on my eisen's mcpod so that i can listen to it in the car i think if anybody is going to do anything related to swear words it must be nicholas cage it's literally a series that he hosts exploring the history of various swear words can i don't know if there's a more like i enjoyed the kfc bit i don't know if there's a more perfect premise of anything in the history of entertainment than this there has never been a more beautiful coalescence of concept idea audience and star 
than this series now. And I'm going to just tell our audience, watch the movie um, uh, Vampire's Kiss or Kiss. Yeah, Vampire's Kiss. Nicolas Cage in one scene does the alphabet. That's, that's his dialogue. That's the scene. He says the alphabet. And it is perhaps the best 26 seconds of screen acting ever performed by an actor. So I'm ready for this rolling. I'm speeding up from my slow, my previous slow roll, and I'm speed rolling into this. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. This, this oh. is genius, and I love it. Yes. Um, let's move on to Warner Media. We've talked about it uh, previously. They have concluded their investigation into Joss Whedon's Justice League shoot. Um, We don't have too, too much information on what the results from that were, but we did have a response from Ray Fisher, who was the one who obviously um, was the catalyst for this investigation because of how outspoken he was against Joss Whedon. Um, He said in a tweet, the following was relayed to me on behalf of Warner Media at 5 p.m. Eastern today. The investigation of Justice League is now complete. Um, It has led to remedial action. And in parentheses, he says some we've seen and some that is still to come. So I think that's to be assumed that uh, just we not working on that HBO series anymore is one of those actions. Um, and then he says that he received a statement, which truly belongs to all who participated in the inv- investigation uh, that says, quote, Warner media appreciates you, Ray Fisher, having the courage to come forward and assist the company with creating an inclusive and equitable work environment for its employees and partners. Mm-hmm. So it seems as though they've done their digging. We don't have too too much um, of uh, too much information yet on what the results were. But I think right now, at least I'm making the assumption that they concluded that Joss was you know doing some stuff he wasn't supposed to be doing, and there was some truth to the claims that it wasn't a great work environment. Um, And because if they're, you know, if the investigation is leading to action, that means what they found probably wasn't great. Uh, All right. I disagree. I'm trolling. Um, Show me evidence. Give me a thing. Like was all he was mean to people and all those people got paid $47 million. Yeah. I, I, I hope if they were to not, tell us anything then yeah that would be messed up to do this investigation have all this um stuff but like i don't think it's fair to assume that we're not going to find out what happened or that we're not going to find out that there was evidence of anything we may we may i think i'm gonna we can take the uh, again like ray fisher has nothing to be gained for bringing this up and doing this so he's the person that i kind of lean towards believing in the situation um i like joss whedon's work or not like 
I don't think it's an excuse to be a jerk on set. So, and it won't be the first time we've ever heard of a creator or an actor or someone being a a jerk. I, here's the thing. Uh, Granted, 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 no one should be a jerk. Everybody should be nice, but that's not the world we live in. So if the beef is he's mean, then we've wasted time discussing this issue. And so has the media. If the, if it dives deeper into like physical abuse or things of that nature. Okay. But like life was tough. Let me tell you something. There's a bunch of people out on the street now that would have traded places with anybody in that cast. That's fair. That's fair. I think it went further than for, I think it was obviously it wasn't physical. I think it was verbal stuff. Um, I think it was poor quality work, but I think it was also uh, there from what I've read, there was tinges of racism in there as well um, behind some stuff, okay. which what obviously enough, Ray right, Fisher right, right. being the only, uh, well, uh, aside from him and maybe Jason yeah. Momoa, the only people of color on in the cast, you know, and Jason Momoa has publicly right. supported Ray Fisher. I think that was definitely a component as well. But we have to see. We we haven't seen any of the official results from the investigation. Right. But figured, you know, we, we're due for an update because that is significant news. Um, True. Continuing on, apparently we there are around seven more Kingsman movies that are being planned and in early development. Okay. Uh, we've, we have two that have come out, the right. Kingsman and the Kingsman Circle Golden Circle or something right. like that. And then we have the, the King's Space Man prequel, that's set to come out in 2021 was supposed to come out this year. Um, and now we have seven more that are coming potentially. Are you rolling or trolling with a whole lot more Kingsman and the Kingsman <laughs> universe? I'll tell you what. And it's all going to be, well, it's, I guess it's the Kingsman universe. So it's not all going to be that kid, the Elton John kid. Um, well, the it. prequel is not him. Okay. That's um, Taron Edgerton. Um, he's not in the prequel. Um, neither is, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. He has the glasses. Colin Firth. Colin Firth. He's not in the prequel either, but apparently the prequel sets up the next sequel somehow I read in the article. So I don't know how that works, but, uh, yeah. What, what are your thoughts? All right, my thoughts are these. Um, I'm going to allow it. I'm going to roll with it because, you know, good for getting another uh, series out there, another franchise. It's working if there's an audience. I feel like seven, let's see what this third movie does. I feel like they're kind of like, you know. They're counting their chickens a little bit. Exactly. We're supposed to get all those friggin' Avatar movies. You know, but we haven't yet. So let's just, let's see how this goes. But I'm for it. Give it a shot. Why not? I enjoyed the first one. I haven't seen the second one yet, but the first one was fun. It was unique. It was a nice take. It was, they turned it on its ear. My fear 
is that they're going to go soft. Like they went hard in the first one and, and then they got some backlash, but like, go keep going hard. This is your shtick. This is your thing. That's why people like it. So go for it. Yeah. I, I'm going to roll with it as well. I, I thought the first two movies were good. So I'm yes. fine with it. Why not? Shoot, shoot for the stars. You know, shoot your shot, Kingsman makers. Um, let's see, Zorro. Shoot your shot. Get some Zorro news. It's, that's interesting. Zorro is getting a female-led reboot on NBC from Robert Rodriguez and Sofia Vergara. All right. So I get it. Like, I get it. And I'm not being... I'm not being rude when I say, like, I get Sofia Vergara in this role because she's essentially like, she's this generation's Catherine Zeta-Jones, I would say. Okay. Um, more or less. And, and Catherine Zeta-Jones, obviously a big part of the, the two. Um, Zorro, like remakes with Antonio Zorro's. Banderas. So here's my thing, though. It's not Zorro. Like... This is what I keep, this is what I can't get over. Like, I don't mind. I'm the guy, like, I will go watch a female-led movie. I will go watch a, a female-led um, superhero film or whatever. Like, Wonder Woman, tremendous. Um, anything you want to do, like, I'm, I'm in. But don't take IP that is like steeped in you know this is a male characters whatever and then just plop a woman in and call it the same thing and be like well it's zorro with a woman no it's not it's something else so like i'm gonna troll this because it the, it, the buck has to stop somewhere like it's got to stop the i'll go back to oceans eight which was the all-female version of oceans 11 the movie tanked maybe call it something else Okay, like Ocean's Eleven is a Frank Sinatra, Rat Pack, bravado, male like cast. And they redid it with, you know, what, which what is essentially the Rat Pack of that generation. You know, um, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, like these uh, Matt Damon, these characters, these actors, you know, fit the mold. Then you come up with, well, we're going to do it's called Ocean's Eight. It's going to be glorious. No, it's not. It wasn't. Like, call it, you know, the, the heist of the century. Call it something, but don't, like, just stop trying to piggyback off this stuff. And it hasn't been working. Like, financially, it has not been working. Critically, it hasn't been working. Ghostbusters. I enjoyed it because I like all those actresses. Like, I had fun, but it didn't work. It didn't work so hard that they actually got what's his name's son to come back and direct the new Ghostbusters that brings back all the old characters. Yeah. I, so here's my thoughts because my thoughts are a little complicated and I don't know how, um, like I don't know my exact feelings, but here's how I feel right now. I agree with you. In the sense that if you like, if you are just like creating a different version of something that already exists just to do it 
and to say mm. you did it and now oh it's it's female now and that's it like yeah that's, that's the good. wrong way to like i'm fine right. with wanting to create something for a different audience or to show a different representation within the same world that we haven't seen yet but if you were going to do that i it would be nice if they did it in a clever and good way right which we like look at star wars for instance like we the the most recent trilogy didn't go the way that we wanted to but i think one thing that did work at least in the beginning was ray as the main character of the series and as a jedi like she was great they created a new character and they had female representation without it like in your face like oh this is just what we're doing we're doing female star wars right you know what i mean like that it fit it all made sense and you were able to do what you wanted and accomplish the goals that you were trying to set without it just being in your face and the only reason to do it. Like you made it good with it. Like Correct. to your point, Ghostbusters was just, well, what if the Ghostbusters were women instead of men? Like there Correct. was no, that didn't do anything. Um, same with Oceans, the, the Ocean 7. It was the same thing. It was just, oh, it's the Oceans people, but they're women now. So, yeah, in that sense, I agree with you. Have a little bit more purpose. Have a little bit more mindfulness behind what you're doing because that is really, like, it's, it's an attempt at a cash grab. It's not, those yes. weren't attempts at showing representation. Those were attempts at, oh, we just want to hit this different audience and make money from them. Exactly right. Exactly right. And it just, you know, I agree with your, your sentiments exactly. So anyways, I think we're on the same page with that. I'm going to roll, I'm going to troll it as well. Yeah. Hopefully it's good. Like I, I'm, I'm, it would be great if it was good, but I would yeah. feel better if it was like an original, original IP Correct. in the same vein as Zorro would be cooler than just doing like, Oh, female Zorro. Exactly. Like, right. That doesn't and, make sense to me. And I'll say this, I'll close with this. And, and I don't think it's a radical statement. I don't think it does anything for the promotion of like equal pay and equality and like the, the woman's movement to do that. Like, it, like if you have all this success with the male dominated um, IP and you slide a woman in there and they have success in that, it's not the same as inventing something and being successful at it because whatever that thing is merits success. Now, the, the thing I do want to add on to this, though, okay. is like... Before we lose our entire female audience. <laughs> right, right. Our, okay. our potential our, future female audience, because I doubt we... Right. Uh, I think we only have two people have that listen now. to us, and they're both white males. Um, we yeah. are both white males, predominantly white males. I got a little, you know, spice in my background, but... Yeah, I think it's only fair to point out like we don't have the perspective of someone who hasn't seen themselves represented in all of these famous big characters before. Sure. So sure. they might have a different feeling like you might grow up 
loving Ghostbusters yeah. as a female or as a minority or and not seeing yourself there and saying like oh it would be awesome like i would love to be a ghostbuster and then to see that on screen would be great uh, there's nothing wrong with that i just think like if like if that's going to be done like do it well i agree i agree like I, well I, I yeah that's all anyways we'll we'll move on from that before we like tailspin into something Yes. We're going to say stuff we shouldn't be saying. Um, you remember Joe Exotic. He I'm was familiar. Pretty, he was pretty, uh, he, he was a, a hot topic. For about, it was about, for a hot second. About the world was six months ago before we forgot about him. Well, he's in jail currently. Correct. He is really desperate to get out. <laughs> yeah. I so imagine. much so that he has reached out to Kim Kardashian for help in getting a pardon from Donald Trump. I'm going to tell you something. I am going to roll with this. And I despise almost every one of the names you've mentioned. <laughs> like, no one in that, if you, if you, if you were like, hey, um, we're going to go, I got to go to my friend's house, uh, Kardashian, Joe Exotic, trump and one of the cats is going to be there i'd be like no i have some oral surgery that i've got to perform on myself i'd rather skip that event thank you so having said that i approve because once again very 2020 if joe exotic is going to get a pardon from anyone it's donald trump uh, like that's the it's going to happen and kardashian has no purpose being famous no reason to be famous, but for some, but this is her moment because she's the connecting line between these two entities. So I will, I will actually not say negative things about Kardashian. And I don't know which one it is because I don't differentiate between any of them. I just say Kardashian. I will say a nice thing if she actually accomplishes this task because that would be interesting. Good for her. That will be her purpose to, to accomplish this pardon. And I won't even disparage it too. If Trump gives it, I won't even be, I won't be the, one of the haters because there'll be plenty. I won't. I'll be like, you know what? Good for Joe. Good for Joe Exotic. Yeah, I, I'm going to roll with it as well because yeah. again, like I'm all for people just shooting their shot. Exactly. You know, see what happens. Why not? Um, we have an update on, if you could believe it, Pepsi apple pie. Oh, yes. That's Talk right. about Pepsi apple pie. Apparently, bottles of Pepsi apple pie are selling for hundreds of dollars online in the resale market. So on things like eBay and stuff like that, they're... Are listings of Pepsi apple pie anywhere from $49 to $250. One auction ended last week with 39 bids and the bottle selling for over $100. I'm trolling. That's outrageous. It's disgusting. Shame on these people. Have they nothing better to do? There was once a world we lived in where 
yet you would collect these things. And, if, and, and we'll talk about this a little later too, about collecting like food items because we're going to do a, a segment. But there was once a time where you would tape shows, you would collect certain uh, VHSs, certain movies, certain albums, certain things like that. We live in a digital world now. We live in a world where you can Amazon order anything, where you can get anything, you can see anything. Is Pepsi apple pie really the thing you want to spend $250 on? Shame on that person. Shame. They should be shamed. I'm shamed. If I had the bell, I'd ring the bell and say shame. It's horrendous. It's part of the decay of Western civilization. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I, you know, I've heard of flipping, like sneaker flipping, yeah, like baseball card, sports card flipping, like things like that, where you're buying it, you hold on to it for a few months, and then you flip it for more money, almost like stocks, right? This is not advisable flipping, I I feel like. So I'm going to troll it as well. Don't buy a bottle of this and think that you're going to be able to sell it. I mean, I know it's full of sugar, but it is a perishable item in some capacity. And at some point it will no longer be a collector's item because you can no longer drink it. Correct. So trolled. All right. Our last segment is well, I guess our last portion of Rollin' or Trollin' is a twist again where we are going to play Eaton or Tossin'. Yeah. General Mills has announced 16 new cereal flavors. We're not going to go over all of them because some of them are generic. Okay. But we are going to go over a couple of them and let you guys know whether we are going to eat or toss uh, this flavor of cereal. The first being strawberry Cheerios with real strawberry bits. Very simple. We're, we're easing into this right now. Easing in. I will eat it. I will eat it too. I'm, I'm into any, like, sh- for whatever reason, like strawberry cereals do well with me. So I'm, yeah. I'm in for that. I like it. General Mills, it's basically a Cheerio strawberry situation. I'm in. Moving on, we have a new Pokemon cereal. Pokemon branding aside, this is a Berry Bolt flavored cereal mm-hmm. with marshmallows in it. Here's the thing. I'm not going to eat it. What was our, what's our anti? It's eat it or toss it. Toss it. I'm going to toss it because you missed your window, Pokemon cereal. You, you missed it. So yeah, I, like, I, mean, I feel like, you know. In and, all and fairness, also- Pokemon still does pretty, pretty well. But the, like, I feel like the combination of something that's essentially, um, Crunch berries is that what right. those were? It's basic. Yep. This is basically crunch berries with marshmallows in it. So like Lucky Charms marshmallows in it, and I feel like that would not be a good combination. 
Correct. It's not a good flavor combination. I watch not a lot a good of good, uh, a lot of cooking shows on Food Network. Not a good flavor combination. So I am. Uh, th- these are getting tossed as well. I um, defer to you. I'm I'm not in on that. Out. We've got a couple uh, remixes of remix. of some some favorites. One being Golden Graham's remix. Okay. This is basically Golden Graham S'mores remix. So it has the Golden Grams, but it also has Cocoa Puff cereal and marshmallows. Cocoa Puffs, Golden Graham, marshmallows. You know what? I'm going to toss it because they should just advocate that everybody create that themselves and then just sell each more of the other things hold on i need to clarify because this article does say and this is from comicbook.com i want to credit them it does say that these are cereals that were announced but this is actually a snacking mix a snacking like a checks mix yeah, because I'm looking at the picture of this and it's a, in a resealable pouch. Now, my assumption is it's still the cereal just with marshmallows, but I think the intention of this is to snack on and not to actually eat like a cereal. So okay. does that change your thought process here? That's, I think that's important. I'll tell you what. It changes my thought process. Not that I'm going to eat it. I'm still going to toss it, but for a whole new reason. I'm going to toss it because shame on General Mills for just essentially creating a, a fattener. Like that's all there is to say. It's like, oh, you could buy Chex Mix, which has some kind of redeeming value with pretzels and various other things. But no, I'm just going to sell you a bag of crap. And we're going to throw marshmallows in too. So I'm out on this, like enough. We, the, again, the buck has to stop. We have to stop the madness somewhere. Well, there's also, there are two more remixes to this or, or the, to announce. So I guess a little more snacks. I think I'm in the context the of this being a snack, again, thinking of flavor combinations, this makes sense to me. So for this okay. one, I'll, I'll, I'll eat it, I guess. But the next one is chocolate toast crunch remix. This is chocolate toast crunch cereal, caramel popcorn, and vanilla Czech cereal. Again, this is a re- remix, so it's a snacking mix. It, no. Again, no. Like, I'm tossing it because this is, they should, they should call it, um, what are they calling it? Chocolate toast crunch. They should just call it rots your teeth out. Or... Okay, um, well, think about if you're yeah. a... Ch- okay, let's instead go back to you My as childhood? a child. Yes. Would you eat or toss this? Were I a child, I would eat this. But I would then realize later on, shortly thereafter, that this is just a, another bag of crap. Like, again, I'd want to put milk in this. I'd want to take the caramel corn out. And I'd want to put milk in the other two things. Because, like, it's just this. What have we done to society? Why are we here? Why is this a thing that we're discussing? Let's continue on with discussing these with chocolate toast crunch churros. This is cinnamon toast crunch, chocolate flavored, and they're churros. 
here's but the, here's, it's cereal this is cereal i'm gonna explain i wish there was a spanish word for no other than no so that i could say it and underline it and put an exclamation part point after it so much no a bucket of no we don't need churro cereal and like look at it this is like i've been saying and i and i like i I hate being repetitive but i've been saying they're just selling you a bag of crap this is a box of it looks like turds on the box folks people out there in listener land google cinnamon toast crunch chocolate churros surprise box cereal meal look at it decide for yourself it looks like they literally polished turds and put them on the box. There's even sparkles coming off it like a sheen. Shame. Shame again. Okay, so I take it that you wouldn't be into the, given your reaction to both that and the remixes, you wouldn't be into the Cinnamon Toast Crunch remix, which features Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Crunchy Churros, and Vanilla Check Cereal. No. Okay. Like I just wanted to make I wanted to double check and make sure that must you definitely no. would say no to that. It's a little bit of a different variation because it's not chocolate churros, so they don't re- look too much like turds. They're right. just the regular churros. They're the regular. They're the like regular somebody... churro cereal, which I didn't know existed until now, but I'm assuming that at least already exists because that wasn't one of the new names. We got a new chocolate churro cereal, but not a regular churro cereal because i'm assuming that exists currently and did so well that they've made a chocolate variation of it and put it in a snack mix and put it in a snack mix no we've reached the pinnacle of horror okay so you're you're not basing your decision off of of tossing it off of the churro cereals past success you feel currently that these new iterations don't do it for you and you're tossing they don't do it for me i'm tossing it and and i feel like america should because they don't respect you america that's why they don't like that's this is a, a shame they're just like oh we have churro cereal now we'll do chocolate churro cereal and then we'll do churro crunchy churro mixed in with 14 other things that we make that aren't selling that great and then we'll we'll just stamp it and put it out there and sell it as as a mix because if you put milk in it you'll probably die from some horrible disease last one dunkaroos cereal well i'll tell you what (laughs) i mean there is something to be said for quality in a in a um, in a cereal, and I feel like Dunkaroos is that cereal. Dunkaroos, fantastic. They're not around as much anymore, and they should be. Um, you know, you would take that that cracker, that whatever it was, dip it into the cream. The milk will act as the cream. This is genius. This is good all around. This is what. Yeah, we you'd have that like sprinkled icing. Yes. That yeah, and then there were also the chocolate version was was very good as well. The chocolate Dunkaroos. I, I'm at very least 
like taking a bite of this and trying it. Absolutely. Like this intrigues me because Dunkaroos, I I think it's starting to have a bit of a resurgence, especially given that it's I hope so. it's getting a cereal. Um, Dunkaroos was probably one of my favorite snacks as a child. I didn't have it much, right? But when I did, like it was, it was like it was the bomb. It was special being able to have that. So I'm I'm in on a Dunkaroos cereal. Right now, this is just the vanilla version. I'm interested to see if they do a chocolate version, if this is And successful. you know they will. You know they will. We've got chocolate churros. We might as well have chocolate Dunkaroos as well. Don't even remind me. All right. Rollin' or Trollin' will return next week. Yes. In the meantime, you and I made some suggestions for each other. Christmas-themed yes. suggestions. And we should go over them. So, would you like to start with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, my suggestion for you? Or would mm. you like to start with A Christmas Story, your suggestion for me? Well, I'll tell you what. You were, I don't want to say hesitant, but you definitely had opinions about um, Christmas Story. I say let's start there. Let's just discuss it. Okay, let's get you into had, A Christmas you had Story. pre-opinions before you even started. I had so, pre conceived notions yes. as to how I would feel about this movie. I think this is one that the people have been wanting me <laughs> to watch this. Yes. I heard from the people. <laughs> I decided, you know what, people? Fine. I'll you know watch what, it. People? Right. I, I was, again, as we spoke about, I was never planning on watching this movie, ever. Which was shocking to me, but yes. Because I it's so many people's favorite Christmas movie that, and it's very much beloved by many. Well, and I did, I I just, I I was afraid that it wasn't going to live up to the hype. Yeah. Let's talk about the good in this movie first. I like that. I feel like this is an elite, performance from the the actor who played ralphie yes who was peter billingsley correct he was macaulay culkin prior to macaulay culkin in in my eyes or should have had the childhood career that macaulay culkin had as a child because he was so he's so good in the whole his timing is perfect on everything able to just cry on demand just the the range of emotions just he he was perfect as ralphie and i like it very true so yes i felt like it, it was nice having you know, comparing it to obviously the Home Alone movies because just the similarities of those two characters were there. There were, there were a lot of things to kind of pull from from both of those movies. Um, I liked the vibe of his childhood. Like, it made sense to me. I thought it was, you know, all of the bits that they did were, you know, they were funny. Like, it... And it was um, something that, 
you could relate to anyone who's had a childhood could relate to at least one of the things that happens to Ralphie, whether it's the way that he's spoken to by his parents or the antics that he gets into um, at school or at home or just, you know, the, the, the little things that, that happen, I thought were really well done. Um, So that aspect I liked as well. Um, I thought the parents were really good. They did a great job. I thought ultimately I, I thought the movie was good. I I liked the movie. I thought it was good. Would you comment on like, could you see why it has the status it has or was that lost on you? I am sure that this was a, when this came out, this was a wild movie to have come out when it did. Sure. That being said, if I do, if I did have to pick between underrated or overrated, right? I feel like this is an overrated movie. You not to say that I didn't like it. Outrageous. I do not think this cracks my top five favorite Christmas movies, maybe top 10. Like I haven't thought about it, but I like, this does not, this is not an upper echelon Christmas movie for me. And so like the only reason why I say overrated is because again, like it gets played for 24 hours on two different television stations. And it's something that people have on TV all day Christmas day. Correct. That doesn't make sense to me. Like I don't <laughs> buy into the hype. I think it's fine, but I'm just not into the hype. I think there's better Christmas movies and funnier Christmas movies. I will say this. I know one of your I think maybe your maybe your number 1, but definitely in your top 5 is Elf. Yeah, Elf is like one or two for me. But I'm going to tell you something. Peter Billingsley, he's in Elf. Yes. And I think he's a producer as well. I believe so too. I was actually looking a little bit at his um, IMDb and he's a producer on some big stuff. Like he was a producer on the first Iron Man. Yep. Um, and then he's been in some stuff as well. Most notably he was, um, oh God, I forget his character's name in Elf, but it's a, well, he, it's a he has kind of a, an interesting relationship. Oh, he's Ming Ming. In, Ming in Ming. Elf. Yes. He's, he's, he's got to be with um, John Favreau. Correct. Yeah, because he because, was a producer of Made. Yeah. Yep. Fa- and Favreau directed Elf. Favreau right. directed Iron Man, obviously. Yep. Um, he, he's got, um, you know, he's got ties to the uh, Spider-Man movies as well. He's, he's in one of them. Obviously, John Favreau is, is uh, in the Spider-Man movies, um, yep. the newest ones. Uh, so... Yeah, I, I, you know, anyways, I, fine with the movie, like, it's not one that I would really watch again, like, maybe I would, if it wasn't so, like, maybe I'm just stubborn, Okay. just didn't like it as much, just because everyone said how great it is, or that seems to be the consensus behind it, I just, you know, it was fine, it was fine, it was good, I enjoyed it, it was funny, it it was more like little, like you had little vignettes of his childhood as opposed to like one cohesive 
movie yeah. and storyline that like flowed together. But that being said, all the little vignettes and things that happen were funny. So that was those were my thoughts on a Christmas story. Excellent. All right. And you know what? I accept your thoughts. You know, it'd be, it. yeah, it'd be nice if you were like, oh, it's the best thing ever. But I accept your thoughts. My thoughts on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang are as follows. Number one. I rewatched this for, for this today. as well because I didn't proper – I've only seen – I had only seen it once. So I wanted to be, you know, refreshed and be able to follow along with you as well. And I'm glad you did because my critique – first, I, I won't bury the lead. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. And there's, there's a lot there, but like, I'm not going to go into plot and story because while that was good and obviously there was Christmas in the background, it opens up on the Christmas stories Correct. and all that stuff, um, music. Uh, but while that was all happening, what was the key for me were all the performances. Like yep. I was enjoying Robert Downey Jr. I was enjoying Val Kilmer as I always do. Um, and even Michelle uh, uh, Monaghan, who I like, yep. you know, she did a great job. Here's my thing. So made in 2005, I believe, this, you know, and Iron Man comes out in 2008. Yep. I could definitely see how this was like a training ground for can we trust Robert Downey Jr. to be the lead in a movie? You know, yeah. he's, he's the lead in this. It's different than what he's been doing lately. It's different than what he's been doing since Iron Man, but it's similar in that it's almost the, the, the attitude of the character, the voice of the character is very Tony Stark. The sarcastic, um, sardonic wit is very Tony Stark. And so I was drawing that parallel the, the entire time. He's young and squirrely still like now we've been with him for a decade and we know older um i keep saying tony stark we know older uh why am i drawing a blank robert downey jr. robert downey jr Are we, yes you know not even that he's that old but like he's a little haggard um from all that stuff so uh, to see him in this character i liked his younger stuff i liked you know he was in a movie called u.s marshals in the 90s i think right before he got into his troubles so i'm a big robert downey jr fan from way back i like when he does things that are not iron man not to say i don't like it but i like to see him do other stuff right and he does a great job val kilmer i think he's always at his best when he's standing next to the lead that's fair yeah because he's bringing he's always making a choice and he's bringing something fun and interesting to the role when he has to carry it himself i feel like uh, i don't know if i i can do a whole val kilmer right now like when he did batman and i'm a big batman fan like you know he did something he made an effort he tried it's certainly not the worst batman there is but it's definitely, definitely like, oh, you know, I don't know. Maybe we should have put him next to something. Maybe we should have made him one of the villains or something like that. Right. So he did a great job. Like, I loved watching him. He's so funny. He's interesting. I love it. There's also, and I want to get this right because I was watching it and I was surprised. Let me just get this guy's name. Larry Miller, who I don't know if you will 
remember Larry yep. Miller is in 10 Things I Hate About You. He's the dad. He was in Pretty Woman. He was a nutty professor. He's one of those guys that's, again, great when he's next to somebody, when he's worked into it. He's like the cartilage of, of the joint. You know, these two bones, Val Kilmer, Robert Downey Jr. are going to make a great movie, but that cartilage, that stuff in the middle, the Michelle Monaghan's, the Larry Miller's, you need that. And he, so I saw him and I was like, oh my God, what is he doing in this movie? Right. And it was just so good. And then the action scenes, the, the fact that he's cutting back and forth using, you know, you're, you're, they made so much use of Robert Downey Jr. as the narrator yeah. and star. Like I was surprised by that because this was when he was not trustworthy. Yeah. I, I think what was interesting for me is like, especially given how much Iron Man we've gotten and, and Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man is how much of him they put into this movie. And he was really perfect for it because this movie is kind of all over the place and chaotic. And he's definitely like when he speaks and how he yes. presents himself, he's kind of all over the place and a little crazy and chaotic and even his cadence and the way he talks and stuff like that. And that's very much how the movie presents itself as well. It's not just yeah. him. It's the entire movie where you're jumping from scene to scene to flashback to flash forward to, oh, wait a minute, I left this part out. Let me go back. And it's all with Robert Downey Jr.'s character, who is very Robert Downey Jr. Very Robert Downey Jr. And almost like a prelude to what we'll see to as tony stark like this is like the downtrodden poor tony stark yes and tony stark is him as you know this and character but rich and successful exactly right this character but rich and successful and and it, it was it was so even though like the idea of iron man didn't happen yet like this is 2005 maybe they conceive it in 2006 7 then they start filming and release in 2008 like, so obviously it wasn't a forethought, but it seems like this was the audition movie for that. Like, it just yeah. feels that way the, the entire time. Well, just to go down the lane of what we got, like, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't see this movie, mm-hmm. so I don't know if this is how big of a role he had, but he was in Gothica. Right. In 2003. And then we also get, obviously, uh, we get... Uh, kiss kiss bang bang we got a, a movie called game six i don't know what that is okay. um, but kiss kiss bang bang um comes out then he had a part in good night and good luck right which was a cl- acclaimed movie he w- was the star of not the star of but he was in the shaggy dog yeah uh so again bit part not not really in yet um, that was 2006. He was in A Scanner Darkly in 2006, which was a weird movie. 2007, right. he's in Zodiac, which, which is a very good movie and yes. very acclaimed. And he's Tremendous. starring alongside, well, he's not exactly the star of the movie, but he's like playing a great, great character role in yeah. that movie like he's a i guess one of the main supporting actors in he, it he, that's correct and he and then, is genius and then you get like 
whatever Charlie Bartlett is, he's in. Yeah. He's in this a movie called Lucky You. And then you get Iron Man. And the life changes. So, like, you could kind of see where, like, okay, I'll, I'll star in this movie. Thank you, um, Shane Black, for giving me the starring role. Right. Shane Black I'm going to be a character actor in these movies. I'm going to do a couple money grabs with the Shaggy Dog being in that. Um, give me a, a acclaimed movie in Zodiac, and then bam, he hits you with Iron Man, and now he's off, and his career is back. Correct, and it's a little telling, a little like foreshadowing, because the whole plot of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is that he is a criminal, and he falls ass backwards into a Hollywood setting, and it works for him, and then all of a sudden it takes off. So like, you know, Robert Downey Jr. was a criminal, got his lucky break in Iron Man. Like he did these movies that you mentioned, but his break, the kiss, kiss, bang, bang break was Iron Man. And, you know, and now he's back off and running. So and I just, it was like really cool. Funny enough, we talked about the um, connection to the star of A Christmas Story, Peter yes. Billingsley with John Favreau, Robert Downey Jr., also a big John Favreau guy and right. one of his boys. It's very much Favreau, weirdly enough, has so much influence in entertainment over the yeah. last 20 years now. Um pretty crazy to think i think that goes very much under the radar how much influence and how much he's brought to us especially currently now with the mandalorian correct it all no. comes for full circle you see that full circle hide a nice pretty bow on this podcast it's like a circle cool well i love it this Do week you... we're doing something different you explain sir so on top of giving you guys, again, a reminder, a special episode to cover everything that went down and all of the Star Wars and Marvel and Disney announcements at the Disney investor meeting. Word. We are also in our next regular episode, which will come next week. Instead of doing a suggested for you, where we suggest a movie to each other, this time we have decided we are going to watch Die Hard. It's I'm so ready. My favorite movie of all time. I know Neil, you love it dearly. I love it dearly. I always watch it around Christmas time. I know it's not Christmas specific. But it does take place during Christmas, which to me makes it a Christmas movie. It yeah. may be an action movie first, but that doesn't mean it's not also a Christmas movie in my eyes. And we'll debate it. We'll go over it. That's one of the questions that, that always comes with Die Hard is, is it a Christmas movie? So I guess I kind of spoiled what I think, but we will go over it in full. We will have all the goodies and and the Easter eggs and the insights and maybe some trivia. I don't know. We're going to talk all about Die Hard because it's my favorite movie and I was spend too much time on it. It is tremendous. Absolutely. I, I can't wait for this. I think this is a good idea that we're going to, and I'll tell you something, you better watch it. You better take notes because I'm going to have things to say and I'm going to do deep dives and I'm going to get intricate with it. I'm, I'm in, man. Okay. I am in. Ready for this. I'm ready too. This is going to be awesome. 
Um, that does it for us for this week for now, but tomorrow we are going to have another episode. So you're not going to be without us for too long. Keep an eye out for that. Um, as always, you can listen to us on anywhere where podcasts are streamed, including Neil's amazing website that's called gluedtothescreen.com. That's glued, the number two, thescreen.com. Please, if you enjoy the podcast, consider subscribing. That would be great. Um, maybe even go the extra mile and leave us a nice review. That would be awesome. We would love a review and maybe get a couple more listeners because of it. Um, with that said, I think that concludes the episode. Neil, what do you got to say to the people? Stream on, everybody. Stream on.